light the candles, get the ice out, roll the rug up. It's today. There, there's your theme song. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Julie Gamix today. <laughs> well, that answers one question. I was going to say, are you a little shy about singing without accompaniment? But I guess the answer to that is absolutely not. <laughs> Our guest today is Marilyn May. Marilyn May's performances seem to just keep getting better and better. I'm told she is the new It Girl in New York. On March 24th of this year, Marilyn, you gave a solo performance at Carnegie Hall, which is pictured behind me, and earned, be I'm not sure if it was 11 or 12 standing ovations. It was 12, but who's counting? Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say, but who's counting? Performing in the Carnegie is like winning a Pulitzer if you're a journalist. It will forever be a part of Marilyn May's resume and a lengthy resume at that. On the call today, we have a few New York music critics who will be joining in the conversation and fans from around the world and a few of her students. We also have former staffers of Governor Robert D. Ray. As our Iowans know, Marilyn May created a campaign jingle for Ray that folks still remember and can't get out of our heads. So Marilyn May, our call today is a bit of this is your life, a life that seems to be gaining even more steam than ever. Let's talk about your career, your approach to life, your upcoming appearance in Okaboji first, and then I'd like to welcome some on the call who you know best to share their stories and their love of you. Welcome Marilyn May. Hi, Julie. I'm glad to see everybody that's here. Thank you very much. Uh, this is a great medium, isn't it, that we can all get together, and yet we're all so far apart. But uh, we won't be soon. Soon we'll be at, you know, at the Lakes Arts Center in, uh, in Okaboja. In yes, indeed. Okaboja. In Lake what? Okaboja, my, my, my heaven place in this world. <laughs> So let's talk about how long you've been coming to Lake Okaboji. Since 2056. 2000. Um, it was called the New Inn. You know, they remodeled it. And it was the inn. It was built in, in, in uh, what, in 1890-something or other. And uh, it was just the inn. And then in 2056, they decided it would be the new inn. And they would hire this group from Kansas City that they'd heard. I worked Kansas City. Uh, I was in the, in well, we were there 11 years in one, one club for 11 years. Plus, in the summertime, we'd go to Las Vegas and play that. And then we'd go back to Kansas City and work. So they said, well, in the summertime, then you're available. And I said, yes. So we'll come up to, to the new inn. And when we got there, we couldn't pull into the front door of the new inn because the parking lot was all mud. It, they, hadn't, they hadn't laid the asphalt to the parking lot. And when we finally got into the building, the, the, it was going to be on the top floor of the main building. And the top floor wasn't finished yet where we were going to play. So I said, well, we're here. We got to play someplace. And we was a trio, my, a musical trio. My husband at that time was my pianist and a drummer and a bassist. And we we said, well, just work somewhere where you can serve some drinks. And they said, well, what about the lobby? <laughs> so we worked the lobby for two or three weeks, I think. And uh, 
that was fun and folksy and everybody was crammed into the lobby. And then finally they got the top open. So 2056 and we worked it every summer consecutively until 2017, we believe was our last year there uh, before they leveled it. And I thought, oh, you're not gonna tear it down, are you? I said, I've got so many notes in those walls, so many singing notes that are clinging to the walls of that room, <laughs> but they did. And so it was very sad for me. But lo and behold, the beautiful theater, the, the uh, Lauritsen Theater uh, yes. is just beautiful, just fantastic. Kim, Kim Lauritsen uh, decided that, that the Arts Center should have a theater and it's, uh, it seats over 200 people, and it's a lovely, lovely theater. So now we, we work the Lauritsen Theater. I think we've been there for four times, I believe. This is maybe our fifth time there. Although we had worked the theater also, sometimes Marvin Pomerantz, and those of you from Des Moines will remember Marvin Pomerantz, who was my dear, beloved friend and fan, and he would bring me to the theater. He would. He said, "You've got to, you know." He he arranged it financially for us to come to the theater, and we we worked it even. Be, we would do the inn for a few weeks, and then we later on in the summer we would do just maybe one night at the theater. So the theater was not um, foreign to me, and I liked it so much. So we were blessed in that that there was a Lordson Theater, and and we could still return to Okaboja because, you know, it's the most beautiful lake in the world. <laughs> well, and I understand we have several from New York on the call today. So let's see if we can't get them to come uh, come to hear you sing next week. Now, there's a, your first performance is sold out, but I understand there are seats available for the second night. And that's that's when we'll be there. The second but, night is August 2nd, isn't it? Correct. Yeah, correct. August 2nd, which is All a right. Tuesday. And uh, I'm bringing my four fabulous musicians from, uh, two of them are from New York. Uh, one is from uh, the, the one bassist who has been with me for many, many years, played the, the inn with me and now he, he will be coming from Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, let me see, my guitarist is from Kansas City. So uh, therefore, you know, they're wonderful. They, my pianist is a genius. He's Ted Firth from New York City. And he is, he, works with a lot of Broadway show people and has been working with me for 16 years. So uh, you, it, you, to hear the musicians is the treat, even. not just, just my songs, but my songs are pretty good too. <laughs> yes, they are. Well, it's not easy to get to Okaboji from any place other than central Iowa, other than Iowa. How in the world, why do you keep doing this year after year when it takes so much effort to this is what I do. This is what I do. And and that's my family up there. You know, I know, I literally know personally four generations of people there. I know the Thorsons, they're the Thorson, well, Judy Thorson's mother and father. I knew that I knew Judy and, and her wonderful husband. And and now I know the kids and I know their kids. So uh, and many other the, um, you know, it's just been a joy in my lifetime of, of friendships up there and lasting friendships and many, many, many people that love music and uh, I love them and they know it. <laughs> and there's the university there, you know, and I'm the music. Yes. 
University of Okaboja. Absolutely. So I understand you're the I understand you know, you're the dean of music at the University of Okaboji. Is that I, I am. And and the um I wrote the school song and, and you will hear the school song in in the theater on August first and second. And uh, uh, yeah, the people, the people that uh, they, they, the three sons, which is a, a wonderful clothing place in, in Milford, Iowa. And um, so they Herman and, Rick, and Herman Richter, the, the Richter son, the boys come and um, and they and I sing my song for them. You know, it's easy. You can you know, those people who are up in north of, of Okaboja, it's just a three hour drive. And right. And I don't know, Des Moines, how long is it from Des Moines? To... About four, four hours. Yeah. 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 And um, and from what? What's the other, the, the southern city that's close? Omaha. Spencer, Omaha. <laughs> Spencer is close. Omaha is four, four hours, I think. So, you know, it's worth it because it's the most beautiful lake in the whole world. Even if you don't want to hear my music, you got to. Oh, you, gotta, oh, you, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Marilyn, when... Um, when I first heard that you were performing last year in Okaboji, and I I moved away from Iowa for many years, I I I expected it to be sort of a nostalgia tour. Anytime I've gone <laughs> to hear a you know musician who I used to know or love in the '60s, it was it was it was it was a nostalgia show. Not so, Marilyn May. <laughs> you, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. You, you, you just knocked them dead, and uh, yeah. I, 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 I am so impressed. And actually, as a, as a woman in uh, approaching, you know, we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to be retired right now. You give me inspiration that there are many oh. acts yet to come. Is that part yeah. of your mission well, right now? I love it, and I think you probably feel this way too. Retirement is not in our vocabulary. Correct. There is no such thing as retirement. And, uh, you know, I, I will be singing when they carry me away. <laughs> but, but the, uh, the it, it, yeah, it's, it's uh, you just don't, you just keep at it doing what you do. Um, there are 200 seats there. We just worked for 3,600 and, and some people uh, March 24th of this year at Carnegie Hall. I did my own with with eighty musicians, and uh, and the same people that you will hear my 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 trio of people, and then the um, the you know this, this whole full orchestra, you know, the, the the New York Pops, and we did we did an hour well almost two hours of music, and we had a packed house. We sold out the house, and uh, so you know it's 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 fun. I work a club in New York. Called 54 Below, and I work Birdland here every year. I do usually twice a year at both those places. And then there's a place called Dizzy's at Jazz at Lincoln Center. We do always a yearly engagement there in New York. For the last 16 years, I've been in New York working those kinds of places. Then I come to the Midwest. Minneapolis has a beautiful nightclub that we twice a year we come to Crooners in Minneapolis, and it's a wonderful club there. And, so I... Uh, I don't. I don't want to interrupt, but I want to also have t plenty of time for people on the call to ask their questions and tell you how much they I love it. But I put in my background Carnegie Hall. This is this is what your view would have been. Is that correct? How did I that, just love that? Yes. How did and, that and feel? 
How the did New that York, well, the New York Times brought me in a couple of, oh, maybe two weeks before our concert so that we, they wanted to do a big, big article on me with the New York Times. And so they got permission that we could be on the empty stage. And this is what I'm seeing, that view. Uh, the, the picture in the New York Times is, is taken of that view that you have, and I, and I love it. Those seats, all of those seats were full. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop a name that maybe I don't think he'll be mad that I, that I say it, but, but, but Warren Buffett came. He flew in his private plane and his darling wife and secretary came and, and they filled the, some of those seats. And, and Bob Mackey, my, my designer, came from, from uh, Palm Springs. He lives in Palm Springs and he flew in. And we had a lot of people, my loyal people that have heard me for years and years and years. So many of them came for that concert. But to see it empty and then to see it full. And, you know, I did say it's a pretty lovely club, isn't it? <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, let me ask those of you on the call, how many here were actually in the theater when Marilyn performed? Okay, Magna, would you unmute yourself? And and if you don't mind sharing what that felt like to see Marilyn May on Carnegie Hall. <laughs> A speechless, I don't have words. I mean, it was so overwhelming. And one thing I have to tell about Marilyn that she not only connects to her audience, uh, during a show, she connects after the show. So when we came to, we all came to Carnegie Hall to hear her. It was like a, it was like a community. And um, I've been very lucky to have uh, photographed Marilyn for the last couple of years. And I have an incredible vault that uh, Marilyn has allowed me to film her. That um, it's only for her right now. So I just want to tell everybody that it, watching Marilyn is overwhelming. And some of the celebrities, um, I just wrote down a few that came to my mind, Victor Garber, Ned Benning, all these people are coming to her like in awe. And I, words cannot express um, my feelings so with Marilyn. Not only is she a great performer, she's a wonderful friend. Magda, right. and you are a wonderful friend. And Magda has come up to Okaboja. Tell him how much you like Okaboja, honey. Oh, yeah, that many years ago. Yes, it was wonderful. It was absolutely beautiful. It's a fabulous place. And well, she's Magda. so beloved there. You know, it's like I'm in her wake. You know, <laughs> every, everybody knows her. I mean, she's the celebrity of, of the year. Absolutely. Well, hopefully, Magda, we'll get you back and uh, cook up some some more fun projects for Marilyn in the Lakes area. She says she's not coming back to perform. But this, will be our, this will be our final year, I'm, I'm sure, at the lake, at the theater and at the lake. And, and well, you know, I'll visit, that, that's for sure. But but I have a hunch this may be, may be our, our last year. Not a hunch. I think I think it's it's probably time to do our swan song at, at the Lordson. But but um, uh, it's it's my my heart is is so there at that and in Northern Iowa with that with all those beautiful people that know how to they really know how to live life. <laughs> well, I'm not sure your fans will let this be your last year, but that's not up to me. We'll we'll just uh, we'll just have to see. Sandy, you are on the call. Would you please unmute yourself? Were you in the audience on, in Carnegie Hall hour? Say hello to Marilyn, please. Hi, hi, hello to you, Julie. Hi, Marilyn. How are you? Hi, Sandy. Hello. Love to you. Uh, well, 
uh, March 24th, I actually was out of town crying because I couldn't get back in to see Marilyn. But um, uh, a lot of people wound up going and filling all of those seats uh, because of Magda and some other people, because we were so busy getting the word out. But, you know, Marilyn uh, is, uh, as we all know, very unusual. She's the ultimate storyteller of a song. And she crosses a lot of different uh, areas of music. You know, people call her the great quintessential jazz legend, but she's more. She's a pop singer. Um, God only knows this woman has also gotten into some rock and roll. And when it, <laughs> when it comes to, to kicking, kicking up a storm on the stage, she's still got it. She's still doing it. The bottom line is that Marilyn is one of a kind. She's a phenomenon. And I know she says, well, maybe this is her swan song. But I, I don't know. I think only, that, only, only in Okaboja, not in New York. <laughs> because New York, you know, they never have enough tickets for all the shows at either Birdland or at 54 Below, uh, which, of course, just keeps going on and on and on. When this woman came to New York and she was invited to the cabaret convention and she hit like like a ton of bricks because she was already a star. But people in New York weren't that familiar with her until she had the opportunity to show her stuff on the stage at Rose Hall at Lincoln Center. And then it was a love affair. And the love affair has been going on all these years. It's always a joy to not only be in her presence, but to have a review up on Theater Pizzazz, which is the uh, digital entertainment website that I publish. And many of my writers have been to see Marilyn, and each one has another voice and another tale to tell. So, Marilyn, what can I say? Love well, you. You know, I want you to tell uh, tell your background. Because you're talking to a wonderful writer, Julie. She's a uh, well, writer and reviewer. I don't know how many reviews you've written about me, but a lot. I know. I know. And, I have... and for for what publication? Tell that. Yes. Well, theaterpizzazz.com. It's four Zs, by the way. So when you check it out, you'll, you'll spell it correctly. And you, you've had that for a long time, haven't you, honey? Well, yes. Uh, you know, I started the website uh, maybe 16 years ago, but have been writing for other publications. And it kind of was uh, at a point where, and I think everybody who has something that they do, finally says to themselves, you know, why am I doing this for somebody else? I'm just going to do my own thing. So I did. But what happened is that many theater critics, cabaret critics, uh, people in the industry started to come to me and say, can I write for you? Can I write for you? And suddenly it was overwhelming to know that I had this uh, grouping of people, many of whom are uh, PhDs in music and in theater and teaching at NYU and Brooklyn College and have wonderful backgrounds. And these are these are some of my writers. And they have exposure to all kinds of singers, haven't they? Broadway and, and cabaret and what else? Absolutely. We cover everybody. And, and Yes. Sammy, I have a question for you because I am about as opposite of a music critic as you can get. 
But you you are. Tell me why Marilyn is so doggone good. Hmm. You know, <laughs> I, I should send you all her reviews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of reasons. But the main thing is that she is probably the most honest performer that someone can see on a stage. When Marilyn is singing a song, she's singing it, her heart, her soul, every single emotion is becoming part of what she is telling. That wonderful story, every lyric, every word is so special and her emphasis cannot be replaced. Uh, it's so noticeable that it's not just me who knows that and writes about it uh, with all of the intention that she deserves. Anybody who is reviewing her who has any knowledge of what it is to sing a song understands when they listen to Marilyn that she's got it. I mean, she is the it girl. She's the doyen of cabaret, of music. Um, it, it's overwhelming because you would think that after she finishes a performance, I mean, I'm exhausted, frankly. It's just, <laughs> you know, so emotionally trained every time I listen to her and then repeat the process by then putting it into words in a review. But, you know, the next day she's up and about and she's teaching a master class or she's working with one of her students who now is preparing a show. So, uh, I have no words left. I'm always trying to find, okay, give just, you know, are there any more descriptives that I can come up with that will now be able to tell the story better than I'm now trying to tell it to everybody? Well, and that was great. That was great. I have to tell you, she's a wonderful singer herself, too, which I she did not tell you. <laughs> but it's nice to be reviewed by another by another singer. I'll bet it is. I'll bet Good. it I bet it really helps for for your reviews to be written by people who understand. And I've got somebody else on the call here, Marcy Kraft. I'd like to call on you. You'll need to unmute. But I understand you were the, um, you were a, a vice president of the New York Times and assistant general counsel, and now a student of Marilyn Mays. So if you would, please tell me what that's, tell us what that's like. What have you learned? There, I would say that every, hi, Marilyn, by the way. Hi, um, um, <laughs> I uh, didn't know you were watching. <laughs> um, I would say that whatever it is, uh, whenever we're together in, in whatever capacity, whether we're uh, working on a show, I've done a couple, uh, she's been kind enough. How many shows we've put together for you? To we've in New York we've done seven, we've done seven different shows over the course of the last I don't know, 12, 13 years uh, together. Um, and whether it's uh, beginning to think about a show, whether it's studying the work, whether it's practicing, whether it's going out for uh, a beef barley soup afterwards <laughs> um, at the diner, uh, whatever it is, I'm always learning something from Marilyn no matter what it is, whether it's about singing, whether it's about life, whether it's about the world. Um, I'm, I, I, what I say is I'm just the luckiest girl in the world here because I, I get to participate in a way that I never would have dreamed. And even when I'm just watching 
for example, at Carnegie Hall. Not only did she enthrall the audience that she's facing, but what's so remarkable additionally about Marilyn is that the other 80 or so people that are behind her, the musicians who are accompanying her, are also enthralled. You know, I can see it as a member of the audience, and I was actually sitting above um, in one of the tiers, so I could see them. I had a great perspective. And when they are not playing, they are all agog. They're looking at her, they're clapping for her. Uh, it's it's just remarkable. And it, it was, so it's not only the 3,000 people at Carnegie Hall, but it's the 3,100 people uh, that she is performing for, uh, which I, I think is unique. <laughs> and, I, I think, and it's not just, you know, it's not just at, although listen, Carnegie is great, but there are these outstanding musicians that Marilyn sings with, for example, at Dizzy's, okay, at Jazz at Lincoln Center. Now that's all Wynton Marsalis's gang, okay? And those are the best of the best. 16, 17 people who just happen to be playing behind her and they are just in awe of her and they're, and she's singing with them and they're, they're playing back to her. And sometimes you can't tell which is the instrument. You know what I mean? It's just remarkable. And so, and she, she speaks to everybody, whether it's a, whether it's a hall of 3000 or she's singing at the master class to 30 people. She, she makes you feel that she's singing to you and she's telling you the story and you are, you're, you're, she's connecting with you and there is nobody Nobody else who does that. Hmm. Marilyn, this would you like to respond? Right? This is my testimonial, Julie. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I have to tell you about Marcy. She she is was a lawyer at the New York Times for thirty three years. <laughs> Not only, and she sings great and and does great shows. We've had a wonderful time working together. So um, how do you how do you work in your master class? How do you take somebody like Marcy? Tell me about the first lesson, if you can recall. Well, you know, it's a group in, in a master class. It's a group, and and uh, everybody has say twenty five minutes of their own to sing whatever uh, song they brought. You know, and we have an accompanist, a pianist, and and uh, uh, first of all, I I tell them my beliefs that I sing to the people, not for them, and. Uh, and I, I have all kinds of funny little quirky things about I don't believe in sitting down during a performance. I think all the energy of the of the singer and the audience goes down when the singer sits down. And uh, so I have a, a belief about that. And and the mic technique, especially the mic technique, is very important in in clubs. And I I figure most of those people are going to do not Carnegie Hall, but 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 intimate clubs. And um, just, you know, the, the, the fact that the, it's all about the audience, it's not about you. The audience really is the star, Julie. You're not the star. You, the singer, is not the star. The audience is the star. And, and, and the very fact that they have come to see and hear you for an hour and a half or two hours is a great honor. You know, they've given up their time and their money 
and their energy to come. And it's an honor for, for me to have those kind of people listening. And, and, and I've had, that's what I've done all my life. That's what I've worked my entire life to since I was seven years old to entertain an audience. And uh, it's, it's my, my honor that they are there. I'm going to jump around a little bit. I, you did mention your childhood. I want to go there, but I also want those of you on the audience, Kyle Gibson, definitely. I want to have you uh, talk a little bit and Susie Clausen and Bill Jackson and any of the rest of you who, who are so moved. But before we do that, Marilyn, I'd like to talk to you about your childhood. It, it was, uh, it was, all of our childhoods have impact on us, but you, your father was, uh, your father left your mother at how old were you? Well, no, we actually, my mother left my father. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me. All right. Well, actually, um, uh, I was, you know, my mother played piano and, and could sing really great herself. And not not for an audience, but but in church and and uh, uh, various other you know she when she would sit in somebody's living room she would play piano and sing, so her her daughter had to sing you know, so she started me singing I was three years old and and from then on and I entered my first amateur contest in in Kansas in Topeka Kansas when I was seven and usually won, <laughs> and when I was nine. There was a great uh, prize for the amateur contest. was a was a radio show for maybe eleven weeks, thirteen weeks. I can't really remember how many weeks, but but multiple weeks. That that was the prize of the amateur contest. So I, at at nine years old, was doing a a radio show, you know, in, in Topeka, of fifteen minutes, you know. And uh, but my mother decided that I would be a singer, and she was not a, a stage mother. The New York Times said she was stage mother. She really wasn't. She she was not pushy that way, and maybe that's too bad, <laughs> or maybe that's a maybe she should have been. But um, but I always had to sing in tune and quality. And then then when I was eleven, my daddy was awful cute. He was a pharmacist and and had a lot of girls other than my mother and me. So we moved to Des Moines, Iowa, where my mother's sister was, my aunt. And my cousin was Joy Hodges, who was a, a star in her in her day in, in movies. And um, so, you know, showbiz was kind of in, in my life. But um, we moved to, to Des Moines. And by that time, I, I really, whatever money I could make on a Saturday night entertaining uh, somebody. There were agents. There was a theatrical agent in Des Moines, Iowa. I took dancing. Uh, didn't really take singing from anybody. I took singing in Topeka when I was young, until I was 11. And uh, from then on, there wasn't a teacher that we found in Des Moines. But I took dancing in Des Moines and, and did, on Saturday night, there would be a convention or something. And I was 12 and 13. And I was doing doing shows put together my little shows you know look for the silver lining was one of my big songs because that marilyn marilyn miller who was a broadway show star in my mother's time sang it and and i i always did look for the silver line all positive songs all positive as we still do i believe in positive songs there is a a negative area in the show about uh, guess who i saw today and 
and some ballads that people seem to really love. And but then there's happy songs again. So so, uh, but mother and really I we were a great team. And in the summertime, there was a big band, a college band, um, in in Kansas in. Oh God, I've got the name. I can't remember the the big the big university in Kansas, and that yeah, Kansas University. I guess it was Kansas University, and uh, the big band wanted me at the age of I think fourteen to sing with them in the in the summertime. So I so I did. So you know my my little teenage was was a working teenage. Um, I I wasn't out partying like all the other kids. I was singing someplace. And you really didn't have a childhood, did you? I didn't have a childhood. That's why I am one now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How is it to be a woman in this career? Do you? What are the challenges? What are the what are the um, obstacles you've had to overcome? It's constant. You know that 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 never ceases. There are always challenges. Uh, thank God, not so much with the audience these days because they come knowing by me, my work, you know, thank goodness for Johnny Carson, because I did it 76 times. And, and a lot of those people are, if they didn't see it, they've heard about it and you can go online and see some of the shows. So they were exposed to the Carson show and the Mike Douglas show. And these are all the uh, Ed Sullivan show. I did the Ed Sullivan show three times and Johnny Carson 76 times. And, and, uh, you know, it's a shame these days we don't have that kind of exposure television-wise anymore. They have American Idol with, with wonderful, talented young people. But, but us performers really don't have that, that wonderful exposure that, that I had for so many television shows. What and, was Carson really like? Oh, he was wonderful. He loved music, you know. He played guitar a little bit, and he played drums. Drums. And... And uh, he loved music and the things he said. I mean, some of the things you all have been saying, or I know, will go in my eulogy. And then I hope they add what Carson always said <laughs> after I would sing a song because it was so complimentary. And so he he believed in what I did and and liked it a lot and uh, invited me back. He he had the power of of inviting the, the performers back, of course, and. Uh, uh, it was a, it was a joy. The band was great. Doc Sevenson, the great band, and that was great experience too. I must say. So, if you could invite a, if you could have a dinner party of eight <laughs> and invite people uh, who are alive or not alive to this dinner party to talk about music, who would you invite? Wow. Well, first of all, Ella Ella Fitzgerald because she was a dear friend of mine and I know what she's like. She would be too shy to come to the dinner party because she was very shy. The really? Would, would argue and not argue, never argue. We would, we would talk to each other in dressing rooms. If I would go, if she was in some town, if we were in the same town after the show, we would, we would gather in either my dressing room, wherever, whoever was performing. And um, I would go to her to see her performance and we'd gather to talk. So Ella, and Carson, of course, Carson. And uh, wow, what a great question, Julie. I want to think about that because it's important. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to make a list because I wish I'd known because that's a great question. What would you be talking about with these people? 
well, the technique of, of what we do, but uh, but what we can do in world, you know, I sing a lot of peaceful songs these, these days and uh, all about world peace and, and, and all positive, all positive materials so that at least they walk out thinking good thoughts, not negative. And, um, you know, I, I just think that these days, our, what we do is very, very important for the morale of our country these days. So it's it's uh, the Great American Songbook has has all that Cole Porter stuff that's all po- you know all positive stuff, and I get a kick out of you. And and uh, uh, we open with uh, looking at you while troubles are fleeing. I'm admiring the view because it's you that I'm seeing, and the sweet honeydew of well-being settles upon me what a great what a great lyric and when i see that audience you know all all of a sudden the world is better at least for that hour and a half during the performances or two hour shows that you do it is a great connector and i believe um, wasn't it ella fitzgerald who was asked who her favorite singers were mentioned you in the top three well she mentioned um carmen mccray and she mentioned um um uh, sassy um and uh uh who both are black and uh, sarah vaughn and carmen mccray and then he, then she said and the white my favorite my favorite white singer is Marilyn May. <laughs> everybody said was ella a racist no of course not <laughs> just that she categorized us that way <laughs> i love it kyle gibson by the way Marilyn, thank you because it's because of you that I have connected with Kyle Gibson, who is now my new best friend, and I can't wait to spend time with her. She has a lot to do with why we have so many wonderful people on this call. Kyle? Well, it is it is an honor to be with Julie. And Marilyn, you remember Julie's legendary father, Gordon Gamick, of course, who adored right. you and worshipped you. Um, and I praise Sandy and Magda, who know the music side so well. I as an, I must say with pride, I think I'm the only one. First of all, I'm the other family that goes back four generations with Marilyn. My grandparents right. were there from the first performance of the new Inn in 1956. They, my mother had just given birth to me, didn't want to go hear the cute redheaded singer and ends up there and they become best friends. My mother had no sisters and Marilyn was like a sister to my mother till two years ago when we lost her. And we played Marilyn's actually Marilyn saying to my mother just days before we lost her, but that's, Maryland, therefore, is part of our family. And yet that's what's so hard to, I want people to understand, that's not why I'm obsessed with the genius of Marilyn May. I'm obsessed with the genius of Marilyn May because genius just begins to get there. And I want my fellow Iowans who hear this podcast to understand I'm the only one here on this call, I believe, who's lived in Iowa and New York. And I'm telling you. I'd love for you to tell what, what, what you did in New York. I want to know about you. Oh, <laughs> I became a, a, a very, uh, let's just say I did well in the new, in the broadcast. I started with Ted Koppel the first day of Nightline in 1980. I was just out of college and grew and grew my career at ABC News, primarily with Ted, also with Diane Sawyer. And uh, it was a great honor, my years with ABC News, mostly covering foreign stories uh, overseas. And then I created Women in the World, which was a summit at Lincoln Center for 10 years with Tina Brown, who was the, the head of the whole thing. And we together developed this summit at Lincoln Center called 
uh, Women of the World that brought women from around the world together. But several of those women knew about Marilyn and our goal if we hadn't had COVID was to get Marilyn on that Lincoln Center stage, which I'm still determined to do. That said, Marilyn doesn't need me. Uh, Marilyn in New York, I want our Iowa audience to understand that we can go back to the Ella quote. Mel Torme said she was the greatest white woman jazz singer. Johnny Carson chose her for the record 76 times on his show. Um, it, 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 the, the quote, Jean Lees, who was the collaborator with, uh, uh, wrote the lyrics for Jobine. Jean Lees said about Marilyn May, this is such an important quote. I want everyone to hear it. Marilyn May is the greatest singer in the history of song in any idiom. Imagine that. But here's the thing. If you go to her performances, the intimacy, the power, you don't even have to understand what a genius she is musically, which every musician will say that she is. You go into these clubs in New York and she is literally looking and making eye contact and reaching and makes people are crying at her ballads. They're laughing. And I want to insert this. Her sense of humor is Bette Midler was there one night and said, I knew you were great. But she said to you, didn't she, Marilyn? I didn't know you were so funny. <laughs> but I didn't know you were funny. <laughs> she, Marilyn. Angela, Angela Lansbury said uh, she was so tall, you know, and and, and I, I would look up at her and she'd say, I wish I could sing like that. And I said, oh, you sing. You're, you're, you're one of my favorite singers, Angela. So, well, and let's leap from Angela, Angela would be at the dinner, Julie. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing, Marilyn. This is the most important thing I want to say, and I could go on and on about Marilyn and Iowa and singing rain to all of us. And But back, going back to New York for a minute, it isn't just these legends of Ella and, and Mel Torme. Now we have Harry Connick Jr. obsessed with Marilyn. We have <laughs> Wynton Marsalis. <laughs> Now, we have Wynton Marsalis and his orchestra in this spring after the Carnegie Hall event, which was riotous. 13, some say 14 stand innovations. There's a debate. It was this, 12, honey. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, I was up 14, put it that way. But the point is, is I go to another show a few weeks later at Jazz at Lincoln Center with Wynton Marsalis's orchestra. When Wynton handpicks different talented singers, genius young singers coming up, and it was about tributes to America, but he chose Marilyn for the finale. And who do you think got the wild standing ovation that night in front of the Wynton Marsalis Orchestra was Marilyn May. I could go on and on, but I want to say one more thing. At Dizzy's, Marilyn, at 94 years old, was singing two shows back now, to Dizzy's the Dizzy's is, is, is at, um, tell them where Dizzy's is. It's at, it's at Columbus. It's part, of the, it's part of jazz at Lincoln Center. It's a wonderful club, and the, and the windows look out on New York City. And there's Marilyn with this backdrop of New York City behind her. And there in the front row one night, I'm watching. I love watching the stars watch Marilyn. Frank Langella, the actor. Marion Sellis, when she was alive, stood up and started screaming at Marilyn, you are a great actor. I mean, the, <laughs> what she gets from the professor. Joel Gray said, I had, I've, I've heard you, but I'd never seen you live. And he was blown away. But watching John Batiste, whom you all know, the director of Stephen Colbert's orchestra till recently, Batiste watching Marilyn to the point that it was the first show and it ends. And they are trying to escort him out. And he went, oh, no, I'm staying for the second show. This is the hold she has. I'm trying to under make my fellow Iowans understand on the hot talent of now. And I can throw it back to everyone else. I could go, I could go on for hours. It's, it's, it. and as a, as a professional, I, I just want to say the discipline is mind blowing. 
Go ahead. Not just interject, not only domestically, what about foreign? She has uh, somebody who flies in from Prague <laughs> and uh, she has someone who flies in from Japan to study <laughs> Maryland. So we're talking worldwide. That's all I want to say. That's my all darling, right. Laura. Okay, I'm going to bring it back to Iowa here. That Judy Thorson's on the call, and we I, I want to make sure Judy says something to Marilyn because I think Judy's known you most of most of your Okaboji career. Am I right? Hi, Judy. You got to un you've got to unmute. Sorry, you've got to unmute. There we go. There we go. I knew, nope, I knew nope. Judy's mother and father. Judy, you're still muted. One more time. Try that. I knew Judy's mother and father. They're they're the family that I was saying I knew them, and then and then Judy and her and her kids. She has these wonderful Amazing. two gorgeous sons and and two <laughs> darling daughters and and uh, then they have children. Uh, one daughter doesn't. And she is now unmuted. So Judy, take it away. Um, Marilyn, good morning, and Julie. It's wonderful morning, to be on. here. And I think I'm the personal connection, although Kyle is right. Her family also was four generations. And the two of us, the two families together have known you not only professionally, but personally and loved every minute of knowing you and feel Me it's too. a real honor and a real honor now that you've become so famous. And <laughs> I think the first time I saw you was probably 60 years ago. And every year at the end or wherever you are, here you are. But she's also been able to stay with me at some occasions. And we've had some great times. Marilyn is Marilyn, whether she's on the stage or whether she's off the stage. She is a real terrific person who cares about everybody. I love you, Judy. Thank, Thank you, Judy. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get to questions in, in a minute. But Bill Jackson, I've got a call on you because you were on Bob Ray's staff. Oh, some story about you having to rush back and pick up Marilyn's notes. Can, can <laughs> you're, you're on mute. So if you would please unmute and tell us how Marilyn May got Governor Ray elected, but you're still on mute. You've got to undo that little microphone, but now you're still, you're still muted, Bill. This is the, this is the bane of Zoom. There's he so was, many advantages. Oh, he was, Governor Ray was so, he, he won six unprecedented terms in a row. And, and uh, we sang, everyone here, kindly step to the rear as Robert D. leads the way. Here's Bill, you're, you're still muted, sweetie. He was just darling. He was so wonderful. So I understand that Bill, uh, oh. there oh. we go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Hi, <honey. laughs> All right. Thank you. Hi, Marilyn. I haven't seen you for so long. Uh, let me make a couple of introductions. Uh, the guy that was just sitting next to me is my partner, Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. I, I've also invited to join us today Lisa and Gary Stump. And I think Lisa's up getting me a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's an Okaboja. <laughs> anyway, I, I just want to make mention of the four of us, Marilyn, because for two years we were at Okaboji at the Pearson to hear you. Gary and Lisa Stump uh, were just in Minneapolis over Mother's Day and heard you up there. 
last fall, uh, Lisa and Gary, Larry and Bill were in Palm Springs. Oh. And we were at the Purple Room. Yes. Unfortunately, you were not at the Purple Room just oh. then. <laughs> but we enjoyed that be, video. Can, can and, you hear me? Can you still hear me? I'm going to be there in November. <laughs> oh, are you really? Okay. For five Good. nights. For five nights. We'll figure out the date. Over the, uh, over the Thanksgiving. And, uh, before and before, after Thanksgiving. The four of us will be in at the Pearson next Tuesday, Tuesday night Good. Uh, to hear you again. We've got to say hello. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Julie, I, I've invited some other people here today, uh, a whole handful, and I see four of them are with us. And uh, uh, Ambassador Ken Quinn, who was on Bob Ray's staff, I don't see him right now, but he was here. And Nikki Chisel, Chisel uh, and Bryce Oakley. And uh, then a person you'll remember, Julie, Richard Gilbert, <laughs> or back in those days, we called him Dick Gilbert. And he was the press secretary uh, yeah. during our time on Bob Ray's staff. Uh, but anyway, thanks for them. He's my husband, us. Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You'll, uh, you'll see him in August. You'll see him next week. Bill, are uh, you going to tell the story about the the music notes that you had to rush back and get? Okay, very quickly. Uh, Marilyn May sang this song for all of Bob Ray's campaigns. She not only sung it, she wrote it. <laughs> and uh, Bob Ray's final year in office, his fifth term, uh, they, had a, they had a going away party for him. And Marilyn agreed to be in Des Moines and sing that song. And she rewrote the words. My job was to pick her up at the airport late afternoon and get her first to her hotel and then to the venue to sing this song. So at that time, you could walk up to the gate, which I did. Marilyn got off the plane. I introduced myself. We got in my car and headed downtown to the hotel. And Marilyn said to me, oh my gosh, I rewrote the words and I left them in the pocket of the seat in front of me on the United flight. <laughs> oh, God. So oh, dear. I called United out here in Des Moines and, uh, they said, well, the plane has just left for Chicago, but we'll call the Chicago oh. and and have somebody look for it and put it on the next flight from Chicago to Des Moines. And I said, okay, do you give me a time that'll be in? Well, it was something like 7 30, 8 o'clock that night. I said, all right, I explained to Maryland, it's gonna be tight but I will wait at the airport for the music. So I waited at the airport and one of the flight attendants was the first plane off waving this paper. And it was Marilyn's oh. handwritten notes of a redo of Step to the Rear. 
And uh, uh, so I, I left for the venue, and I honestly, guys, don't remember where it was. It was either Veterans Auditorium or out at Adventureland. I've never the, heard that story. Oh. The, the program had started. Marilyn May was up on stage. The music was playing, and I walked in the back, <laughs> and I thought, how am I going to get this music to her? Well, the stage was about six foot above the uh, audience. So in the dark, I walked down, came right up in, in front of her microphone and slipped that paper on the floor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is great. Thank you, Bill. I just put oh, you on. I've just... never heard that story. I've never known that. I, I guess I knew it at the time, but I. I'm sorry to tell you, I don't remember that. And thank you for reminding me about it. And I thank you very it. much for the lyrics because you do give it some thought when you write them. So I didn't want to have to rewrite them. Bless I your love, heart. I love it. Thank you, Bill. I, I put you on mute only because we have just a limited amount of time. I get Laura Bell has you, a Bill. question. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I want Marilyn to wrap us up right before noon. But Laura, where did you go? Did I lose you? I guess I lost you. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. I don't see you, but go right ahead. I unmuted. Uh, so I'm a political reporter and I was going to ask about this song and how you came to perform campaign songs. And just did you ever sing campaign songs for any candidate besides Bob Ray? Yes, I did. Yes, I did with, for several people and, and uh, the councilman and various things and, and um, for Senator Bob, Bob Dole. He used it, and and uh, and there was a, a councilman in Omaha, Nebraska, that used it, and he he didn't get elected <laughs> at all. <laughs> he failed, yeah. and the song failed for him. But was it the same song? The same. Everyone here kindly stepped to the rear, and and actually, I had done it before that for a, an automobile company. Because it went, everyone here kindly step to the rear as Lincoln Mercury leads the way. So Monterey and all those songs that are mentioned in the in in the commercial that we did are now not in. They don't make them anymore. <laughs> Monterey Cougar and Montego. They're they're not you know not cars anymore. But I love it. And, I love yeah, it. but I, but I love I love that song and Bob. Always invited me to the to every inaugural. I thought it was six terms. It was only five. You're, I'm, I'm corrected. And um, but he always inaugural balls, and I had to sing it. And he would do practically a eulogy about me, and I would say, "This is your big moment, not mine." <laughs> he was the dearest man, the dearest dearest man. And so I have one did. more person I want to call on, and that's sexy Susie. Susie, welcome. Tell us, tell us about your experience with Marilyn as a mentor and a coach. Well, she is that for sure. Um, I learned about Marilyn May about five years ago and instantly was stalking her until I could finally get her attention in a master class. I'm not a singer. I never was a singer, uh, but I had recently picked up the saxophone, hence Saxy Susie, which Marilyn dubbed me that. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So I went to her master class because it was, it was titled The Art of Performance. 
And I knew someday I would want to get on a stage, which I had never played in front of people before. And so after the class, I was so enthralled. I loved every second of the five hours. And I went up to her and asked her, Marilyn, I need, I, I need help here. You know, I need uh, with my saxophone. And she said, well, can you sing? And I said, no, 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 I don't sing. And she said, yes, you can. <laughs> I had never sung a note in my life, but I signed up for private lessons with Marilyn. And for four years, we have this, just been having a ball. And I recently uh, did my first show. And I did five nights at Don't Tell Mama. In, uh, in New York. In New York. In New York. And um, Marilyn, <clears throat> excuse me, created, picked my songs, created, uh, arranged, directed, everything. So she she knows what she's doing, that's for sure. Thank you so much, Susie. How wonderful, Marilyn, that you were giving back this way. It really is well, heartwarming. You know, I've, I've learned so much from teaching. I, I, I didn't teach for many years, and when I came to New York, Everybody kept saying, "You're watching you." They would use that word as a master class. That, that seems to be an expression in showbiz. These, you know, for the past I don't know, 20 years. And and they said, what, "Don't you teach?" And I said, "No, not really." And and uh, I used to in Kansas City when my daughter was growing up a little bit. You know, when we were working at this 11-year engagement. So during the day, maybe twice a week, I would do some work. But here in New York, I, I never did do it. And people kept asking me to do it. So it has, I've learned much more. I, I hope not more than the students do, but, but I do learn so very much by, by teaching because people will say, well, how do you do that? And then I have to think about it. Wait a minute. How do I do that? <laughs> so then you have to find a way of explaining it. And uh, it's, it's a science, you know, it's, it's not just getting up and singing a few songs. You really have to be dedicated and and care. But I do, you know, I always say to people, some people play golf. That's their big hobby. Some people play bridge. Some people want to sing. They have to have a passion for it. And and it's it the passion is fulfilled if you really if you really care and work and, and it's fun. It's just fun. Thank you, Julie, for for us being here together. I love you for gathering this crowd. What a I do thank every one of you for all your beautiful words and, and your love and your and your loyalty to me. Thank you. Any chance we could get you to uh, wrap up with something still here, maybe? Yes, or? Let me see. Um, the secret of life is enjoying the passage of time. Anyone can do it. There is nothing to it. Nobody knows how we got to the top of the hill. But since we're on our way down, we might as well enjoy the ride. That's the secret of life. Thank you so much, Marilyn May. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next week. It, it'll be a party. Yes, it will. <laughs>